Hello everyone, hope you guys are having a good day. Today we are going to be covering the Golden Globe nominations and the Critic Choice nominations. They are two major award precursors and so I thought uh, that it would be a good time to do kind of an MG special episode where we cover this a little bit more in depth because if we added it to our uh, usual Let's Be Real uh, episode, then that podcast is probably going to be like two hours and... Uh, yeah, that's not really fun for anybody. I don't want to listen to myself for two hours. I don't want to listen to <laughs> Nayan for two hours. I don't want to listen to Kyan for two hours. But I'm sitting down here with Kyan right now. He's joining me for this one. How you doing, man? Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. Not bad. Yeah. That is good. So yeah, we're just going to uh, pretty much dive straight into uh, the Golden Globe nominations first. So they were announced on Monday morning. And depending on how much you kind of know about the award precursors, uh, they are... I don't know if significance is the right word, but they'd play a part in. They, yeah, they play a part yeah. as a combined, like as a com- combination of all of them. They mm. play a major yeah. as a individual. Mm. They play a like a loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, uh, I, I guess the last few years of the Golden Globes have been uh, rocky for them because you know they lost their place on like the TV network and mm-hmm. facing a lot of criticism and all that kind of stuff. And they have. Uh, a category in this, which kind of just makes them more of the laughing stock if they weren't already mm. um, off the awards. But yeah, we'll start off straight away. Uh, so we're just going to start from the, uh, I guess, low important categories to, and we'll get to the big ones at the very end. Okay, so first one we got for best original song. So we got Addicted to Romance in the movie She Came to Me. We got Dance the Night in Barbie. I'm Just Ken in Barbie. Peaches in the Super Mario Bros. movie, Road to Freedom in Rustin, and What Was I Made For in Barbie as well. So Barbie is taking up half that category there. Addicted to Romance um, in the movie She Came To. Never even heard that movie till now. So Nor did I. Nor yeah, did I, yeah. I, I have no comment on that. Dance the Night, I think, is just... It's a really, really bad pick, and I hope this doesn't translate to an Oscar nomination because, let's be real, that song is literally just a pop song. That's, oh, yes. It plays no part in the movie. Uh, it, uh, unlike I'm Just Ken. Because I'm Just Ken, I didn't know if they would go for it, if they would bite onto that kind of um, song because it's just, you know, it's, it's meta, it, it's silly, but it also plays a part in terms of that character as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Peaches, it's another goofy choice. It, it just seems like it's a really weak year if these, mo- oh, these songs are getting nominated. Road to Freedom for Rustin, I know that's going to be uh, quite a powerful and moving film so it's not surprising that it has a really strong backing uh song there what was i made for i think that is clearly going to be the front runner for this because not only is it you know a well a a good song it's also it plays in like probably the most pivotal part of barbie yeah it's it's in a really powerful moment as well so it's part of storytelling and it's a part of the film unlike dance the night so yeah i I think that is going to be it's probably the best bit here me. Yeah, I, mm. I would agree. I mean, it's probably the one that I would choose mm. if I, if I was on the Critics Choice Awards. Uh, not Critics Choice. Uh, the um, uh, Globes. The, yeah, like I was a I was a voter on mm-hmm. the Globes. Um, yeah, it's for the one I would choose. And you know, Super Mario Brothers. You know, like uh, I, you can't help but feel the sort of like trolls energy, like Justin Timberlake energy oh, from any can't of stop these. My feeling. Oh, yeah. Anytime you see it, you're just sort of like, okay, this is just <laughs> like them trying to 
um, capitalize on it as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Fun fact, though, if Billie Eilish, you know, carries on through to the Oscars and she wins an Oscar, she will be the youngest person to have two Oscars. Crazy, yeah. Two Oscars, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. she won for uh, the song in uh, No Time to Die. That's true. Yeah. Um, I don't know how old. I think she's like 21, 22. Yeah, she's quite young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would be pretty impressive. That would be impressive off. though. She, you know, she's taking, uh, she's taking that, um, the the front runner there and, yeah. you know, who, who was the youngest? I think it's like Anna Paquin still maybe. Perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. We'll move on now to best original score. So we got Daniel Pemberton uh, who did Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Jerskin Fendrix for Poor Things. Joe Hisashi for The Boy in the Huron, Ludwig Goranson for Oppenheimer, Mika Levy for The Zone of Interest, and Robbie Robertson for Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, I'm yet to see Poor Things, so that's one that I'm missing out of, but all of these are... Oh, I haven't seen The Zone of Interest as well. Hopefully, you can get to see that one soon. But yeah, everything from uh, Killers... Uh, Oppenheimer, Boy in the Huron, and Spider-Verse, they were all very amazing from, mm-hmm. when it comes to score. Uh, the Boy in the Huron was probably the most surprising because I was watching that movie and I'm like, wow, the score is really, really good here. Mm. And it's like, it's one of those ones where I'm like, okay, I have to listen to that again. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've listened to the whole thing after watching the movie. Because, oh, really? Yeah, it just, it was just moving. It's magical, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Oppenheimer and Spider-Verse, they are ones that I've explored after the film's ended as well. Mm-hmm. Killers, not so much, but Killers is one of those uh, scores for me that just kind of, they feel and fit perfectly for the movie. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's creating a mood for it. Yeah, yeah, it's not really one where you like go and jam to afterwards, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I think these are great selections here. Uh, what, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think Ludwig has as strong as a position here as he did with Tenet. Surprisingly, for me, did I think... win? It didn't. It didn't. I don't think. Yeah. Um, but I think Tenet, for me, has a more memorable place in my brain interesting would you agree i don't know i've seen lots of things on like twitter about which ludwig nolan score is the best one mm. um i would probably go with oppenheimer, oppenheimer i think okay maybe because the movie's just better that i kind of uh like it more but i think i've listened to oppenheimer or have a better appreciation for it afterwards right yeah. yeah yeah i think it might might just be my oversaturation of memes surrounding tenet um, oh yeah, <laughs> you you really do ingest a lot of these scores through memes, um, <laughs> particularly yeah. Spider Man across the Spider Verse. Oh yeah, I don't know how many times I've heard the the riff. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, and uh, across the Spider Verse. Um, but did you like that score enough for it to be worthy of a nomination? Oh yeah, yeah. I loved the score. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. It's um, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. So best screenplay, one of a big one here. Um, I don't. I don't think Globes actually divide by original adapted. Uh, clearly not. So uh, for best screenplay, we got Celine Song who wrote Past Lives, Christopher Nolan who wrote Oppenheimer, Eric Roth and Martin Scorsese who wrote Killers of the Flower Moon, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach who wrote Barbie, Tony McNamara who wrote Poor Things, and Justin Triet and Arthur Harari who wrote Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, so this is one, well, I have not seen everything cause I still get to see poor things. It's hard. It's hard to yeah. do this because 
you know, Poor Things is such a major contender this year. It's it's in the top three. Mm. It's, it's it's between that Oppie and um, Killers. Yeah, and it's it makes everything hard to to make a judgment on. Yeah, when you haven't seen the last one, correct. Um, well, I mean, from what I've heard about it, I don't know if Poor Things stands a chance to win above these other ones here. Just because, you know, it's such a stacked category. I'm surprised Barbie made it um, when you're combining both categories because the holdovers, I'm very surprised Mm. that this did not get a nomination. I think it absolutely deserved it. Um, You obviously know Anatomy of a Fall. We both love that uh, script just beyond the the entire story, but like just its dialogue and how it um, balances that out. I think it's really, really good. But in terms of what I think uh, has the best chance here, it's probably Killers of the Flower Moon for me. Mm. Um, mind you, I, I don't know if I'm saying that's the best or not. I, don't, I really don't know which one can come out on top here. It's going to be very interesting, I think, on the screenplay side of things. Yeah, I mean, there's always that uh, the Dark Horse possibly being Celine's song. Ooh, yeah, um, that would be interesting. I, I really don't know if Nolan stands a chance here. I just think that there's a... Uh, there could be a cadence to his writing that mm. um, the voters are maybe a bit averse to. Mm. Um, it, it, but at least for me, when I do watch a Nolan film and it's written by Nolan, yeah, you can very much tell it's written by Nolan by mm. just the way the characters are written. Yeah, um, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing mm. for Nolan. Yeah, I don't know whether that works in his favor or not when it comes to award season in in a category like this. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really not sure on Oppenheimer's chances. I know he's definitely going to be up there because he's nominated in a category like this where adapted and original combined. Mm. But yeah, there are definitely ones missing here, the holdovers being one of them. Um, Yeah, watch that one soon because I think the screenplay is definitely one of the best for the year. Um, All right, so best director motion picture. Damn, we're getting to some good ones quite early on here. So we got Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Celine Song for Past Lives, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, and Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things. Um, Can I I just say, Mm -hmm. imagine being Celine Song and being in this categories of directors right here. Bradley Cooper, Christopher Nolan, Greta Gerwig, Martin Scorsese, Yorgos Lanthimos. Yeah. Imagine being in that category with them. Isn't it crazy? Like just a few months ago, we saw um, Past Lives with her in the audience and you yeah. know, attended that Q&A and she just doesn't give off that vibe of like, you know, an A-list uh, director because she's so new to the business and, yeah. and the industry. Yeah, she's very fresh to and, it. And yeah. now look at her, you know, she's, yeah, she's in this category with these kind of caliber of directors. Yeah, I wish her all the best. You know, we have seen this before, though, um, with, with these fresh directors come in. They come in with a powerful mm-hmm. moving project. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's really the preceding movies that uh, paint your picture as a, as a uh, career director. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I do wish her all the best as well. She has a, a lot of potential there, I think. Um, Bradley Cooper from Maestro. I talked to you about this just before we started mm-hmm. the potty. Um, my thoughts on Maestro. Uh, if... I wasn't the biggest fan of the movie, but and if I had to credit Bradley Cooper's many roles uh, in, in playing the part of uh, making that movie a reality, I would say the acting's the best, directing is the second best. I think mm-hmm. the writing is his weakest part of this. The direction, I think, is very good here. Um, it's just the script doesn't bring it all together. 
Okay. He, uh, he's very creative and it's uh, a very artistic vision that he has. It's something that you don't see. It's like a, um, it's like a, a kind of a Spielberg Scorsese, but without the polish, you know? Uh, yeah. So he's the got- The polish makes yeah. it though. You he, know? He, he's got it in him, yeah. but it's his second movie. So I think it's still a great, um, a great achievement. And I think he deserves the recognition to be nominated, but not the win. Okay. Um, because the win has to be, the entire project has to be together. That's the job of the director. Uh, for me, it's going to be between Chris Nolan and Martin Scorsese. That's, that's the only answer here. I think that's, that's the only answer here. That's how it's going to be them. for the, the entire way. I'm not worried about Yorgos. You know, I think he, he, it's inevitable he's going to get an Oscar at some point. Oh, 100%. For, yeah. for, throughout his career. Um, uh, you know, whether it's for this or something else, it'll be something. Yeah. It'll be something. Definitely. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know who's going to win director. I've said early on, I think it's Nolan for director and Killers of the Flower Moon for picture. It could go either way. And there's two ways to look at it. Nolan, you could look at it as he's overdue for directing yeah. Academy Award. Or Scorsese, who's at the age now where he's not going to be making much more movies, sadly. Mm. And he's only won one best director in his life. Mm. So maybe the kind of the last chance to give him kind of his due there. If Greta Gerwig mm. wins best director, let me just say this, uh, Barbie will sweep. It will sweep. Like if 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 she wins best director, mm. then there's nothing holding it back. Barbie from holding Barbie back from sweeping. Yeah, I mean for, it, for some reason. It it is funny because um, before I looked at the Critics Choice Award nominations this morning, I, I read a tweet saying Barbie could very well be the villain of this award season um, compared to another movie, but. I'm like, yeah, because it's clearly dominating these nominations he's talking about. It got 18 nominations in the Critics' Choice. Mm. Maybe it carries that really strong buzz and is the front runner as we go into the Oscars. So it's a villainistic because it's a box office success or because it's a, a heavily studio-led production? I Be mean, Because I would say, in my opinion, because the movie is fairly mixed in terms of, I guess, reception. Or is that, it? or that it doesn't come close to something like Oppenheimer or Kills of the Flower Moon or Poor Things or The Zone of Interest or Past Lives. That that's the villainistic aspect of it. It's where that kind of kind of like a Green Book, you know, that high eighty percent thing just, that just comes through. And oh. I think Green Book is maybe more an example of like Oscar bait film that really didn't do anything new. I, I think Barbie True. does do something new. I think it is different, but I think it's maybe like, for example, Oppenheimer is a, it's a studio production. It's mm. a billion dollar movie, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, Killers of the Flower Moon, what was that? Apple TV? Was it? No. Uh, Apple TV crossed with Paramount. Pictures. Yeah. They this a is a immediately studio yeah. made production. Mm -hmm. um, you know, these are all studio productions and in, in no way different to Barbie. Yeah. Um, maybe even a lower budget than Barbie. Mm. Um, a high budget, shall I say. Yeah. Um, and really, you know, I don't, I don't really know what would make it villainistic other than it maybe just sweeping and, and taking credit from. Yeah. That, that, that's what would make it a villain. There's other worthy opponents out there. Right. Where it's like, not just like, mm, depends on your opinion. It just feels like so compelling for, for killers, for poor things, for Oppenheimer. It would feel these robbed to just, for it to come in and just take all these awards. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I see what you're saying. Especially yeah. on such a stacked. Yeah. I just, I think that would give it a, a villainistic and 
Yeah. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't entirely agree with it, but I think Maestro and um, Barbie are both villains in this kind of award season. Well, they're not okay. fully deserving of all this credit, but we'll see what they can do by the time we get to a, the Oscars. Okay, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Next one we got is best performance uh, by a male actor in a supporting role in any motion picture. So we got Charles Melton in May, December, Mark Ruffalo in Poor Things, Robert De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon, Willem Dafoe in Poor Things, Ryan Gosling in Barbie, and Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer. Uh, this is basically how I would have predicted it. Um, mm. The two poor things guys, the two Roberts from Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon, Ryan Gosling and Charles Melton taking it out. What do you think from what you've seen? Because I think Ryan, um, Robert Downey Jr. and Charles Melton are leading this race now because I haven't heard anything about De Niro. You see, I'm actually very happy to hear that Charles Melton is because um, mm. I would not at all be... Um, feel bad if Charles Melton won. Neither. Even over Robert Downey, you know, like even yeah. though I think that Robert Downey did a phenomenal job mm. of that character. Yeah. Um, if Charles Melton won, I'd be like, yeah, good. Yeah. You know? Um, Gosling. It's a hard one. It is a hard one. Yeah. It is a hard one. Um, on the one side, you know, it's like he is playing a relatively – He's playing a character quite different to what he, he typically does. Mm. It's quite a diverse character. Yeah. Um, you know, Joker is quite a bright character, isn't he? I mean, he's bright towards the end, but like oh, he's still like kind of in that Oscar. Kinda. He's in that Oscar territory, yeah. yeah but, I, you know, Ken, I don't think that there's anything wrong with a Ken being, being nominated here. I'm not, I'm not going to high horse it at all. Yeah. I think um, all genres should be accepted into this, even if it's um, bright pink and colorful and all that. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not against um, Ryan being in this. I think he probably had the best performance of the entire film. And I, I do think it deserves recognition. But when it comes to the win, I think that's different. I do agree. Yeah. And for me, it is between Downey Jr. and Melton. Mm-hmm. The, the more I think about Melton, the more I love that performance because it, it's such a... Uh, that character is very unconventional, and I think it's it's very hard to pull off. It is because it's such a it, it's based on a real person, and for a person to go through that and to show the the subtlety in that performance, and then kind of have those moments where they kind of break out, it's very hard. Oh, to do. That subtlety is almost invisible. But mm. You can almost like if you look hard enough, you can see. You can see behind him, but yeah, because, you can see beyond it. Yeah, we don't know the backstory of the character when we first meet him, but mm. there's something that's just different. Something it's, off about him. Yeah. yeah, and then we figure it out, and we're like, and it just kind of clicks. I think the performance is magnificent. Yeah. Um, but Downey Jr. Is, is equally just as good, but it is a conventional Oscar kind of role. It is. Yeah, yeah he's, he's very much like black and white villain. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, hiding in the shadows. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll move on to uh, best performance by a female actor in a supporting role in any motion picture. So we got Danielle Brooks in The Color Purple, Davine Joy Randolph in The Holdovers, Emily Blunt in Oppenheimer, Jodie Foster in Inyad, uh, Julian Moore in May, December, and Rosamund Pike in Saltburn. Uh, I don't know why Rosamund Pike's uh, nominated. Her role's, her role's fine. Uh, it's not really like a oh my God, it deserves recognition kind of thing. Not in my eyes, at least. 
Danielle Brooks, I think it's excellent, uh, a well-rounded performance and a really good uh, supporting role. Devine Joy Randolph, who seems to be getting every um, Critics Circle Award right now. Mm. She's really good in the role, but she's not in the movie enough for me to be yeah, like... Yeah, I think I heard you say that. You were, you were saying like she, she's hardly in it. Yeah, she she has like the moment, but like it's just it's very short, and I just wish we got so much more of her because what she did before that is really good. I just don't think it was enough to get to earn this kind of um, and, recognition. And Daniel Brooks, how how often how um she plays a pretty significant part in the movie throughout. Um, yeah, and the character goes through a whole tra- transformation. Okay, um, but it's not a um, what is it called in. Uh, in the Heights, um, what, what was it? who was the um, supporting actress who won for In the Heights? Did they win? I think they won the Oscar. Oh it was wow! Absolutely, like phenomenal performance. Um, uh, in the Heights, not West Side Story. It it could be West Side Story. You know, it's hard to. I'm pretty sure it was In the Heights. Mm. Um, uh, Otherwise, no, yeah. it must have been West Side Story. It must have been West Side Story. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, Emily Blunt and Oppenheimer, I think that's fine. That's more of a safe pick for me. I don't think her performance had much. I think she's just a, a good performer in a, in a great movie. Ariana mm. DeBose. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So so was it like at that level of like supporting role where it was like... They're fairly significant. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, don't, I don't know how to compare it, but significantly more than Devine. Joy Randolph for me. Right, okay. Yeah. Um, at, at least I felt that from the performance. Uh, and Julian Moore in May, December, honestly might be my pick here. Perhaps aside, Danielle Brooks. I think Julian Moore. I um, agree, yeah. yeah she, she's really, really good. Uh, just, yeah, there's a lot of nuance to that role. Yeah, there's so um, much. There's so much. Um, it very, very, she's a, a contemporary to, um, to Charles Melton's role. Mm, in a way, there's yeah. this, surface character that you see and that she portrays herself as mm-hmm. and then there's the something behind it that yeah. you you almost you you, you sense it mm. you sense a little bit of something yeah a darkness no for sure and it's just like yeah i don't know just so much subtlety to it and even their language of the character having kind of that lisp to them mm. she just pulls it off so well i was like I, I started to believe that Jen, Julian Moore had a lisp um, and was just coming into the performance. Uh, she she but, just she's a completely different human being. Yeah, it. she doesn't resemble Julianne Moore at all. Yeah, she's she's really compelling. Um, all right, so next one we'll go to now is best performance by a male actor in a motion picture, musical or comedy. Um, all right, so we got Jeffrey Wright in American Fiction. We got Joaquin Phoenix in. View is afraid. Bo. Bo? Yeah. Bo? Yeah. Okay. Um, Matt Damon in Air. Nicolas Cage in Dream Scenario. Paul Giamatti in The Holdovers. And Timothy Chalamet in your favorite movie, Wonka. <laughs> uh, this is a very interesting one. Uh, I haven't seen Dream Scenario. Uh, Bo is afraid. Mm. Uh, American fiction. But I have seen Wonka, The Holdovers, and Air. Paul Giamatti, it's his to lose. I do not see any other situation where anyone loses that because Paul Giamatti is the, He's fantastic. the sole winner here, right? Yeah, yeah he, he yeah. should easily take that. He's so good. Um, but Timothy Chalamet is a... I think it's a nice surprise because it's musical comedy. Yeah. And Timothy Chalamet is pretty good in Wonka. Um, he is. You yeah. know, like for... 
form of the apprehension one could yeah. have for the, seeing him in the trailers, he mm-hmm. actually does a pretty good job, all things considered. Yeah, it's more of the script that's the drawback, not so much him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's really the character writing, in my opinion, yeah. yeah. Uh, Matt Damon and Air, though, I think that's... It's fine. It's really a slapstick performance. Nothing special. Right. Um, he, he, funnily enough, plays so many, like, even when he's playing a serious role, it's, it's ever so slightly comedic. Yeah. There, there's a comedic hue to it. Yeah, he, I don't know. He just kind of like... Um, like, even with yeah. Interstellar, you yeah. know, he plays as man. There's yeah. something funny about it. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just him. Like, even Oppenheimer, he's kind of just like... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just exudes like some kind of like It's like he's got this like shit eating grin behind behind <laughs> everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that you can't help but smile a little bit. So he's yeah. always going to be in the musical comedy section for these. Yeah. Um all right, so we got best performance by a female actor in a motion picture musical comedy. We have Alma Poisty in Fallen Leaves, that's a joke. Um <laughs> Emma Stone in Poor Things. Fantasia Barino in The Color Purple. Jennifer Lawrence for No Hard Feelings. Uh, Margaret, <laughs> Excuse me? I sh- I, I'm trying. I'll, I'll get to it. Uh, Margaret Robbie in Barbie. And Nellie Portman in May, December. Um, ignore the Fallen Leaves one because that's irrelevant. Ugh, such a... I'm not going to go into detail about that one. Emma Stone, I've heard, is amazing. I sadly have not seen Poor Things, so I cannot judge her. Fantasia uh, Barino. She is fantastic as well. Such a um, such a compelling performance. Um, but I don't think she has enough momentum or buzz to really uh, get the win here. I'm just not feeling it. Nellie Portman, I would say, is the clear cut best from what I've seen here. Yes, but again, I don't think she has that momentum. But, but it's as hard well. to say without watching Emma, seeing Emma Stone and poor things. Yeah, I'm, Emma Stone might be better, um, yeah. but I do think Emma Stone's going to get the win. They have said that yeah. that's it's possibly her career best. I have, I have heard that, which is crazy to believe, right? Yeah. Jennifer Lawrence for No Hard Thing, No Hard Feelings. Have you have you seen that I've movie? I've seen brother? it. You have? It's just Jennifer Lawrence. It's, I don't... The, it's the beach scene. <laughs> That's the only reason. Because <laughs> she flips out on the beach and takes her shirt off. <laughs> takes all the clothes off. We yeah. get the whole uh, front and back there. Uh, yeah. I, just, I don't know if her performance... Was, I don't even know if the, the movie... It's just... Your standard kind of... It's just very... R-rated comedy. Yeah, it's yeah. cut and dry R-rated comedy. I would never have expected to see it. I remember I had to like do a double take. I'm like, oh shit, she got nominated here. But it is musical comedy. And if they are going to stick by musical and comedy, then I'm not too mad at it. Maybe they just ran out of options and they're like, well, there wasn't that many. I mean, there aren't many comedies released in a year, right? Well, if they've run out of options, then they've run out of two options because Alma Poisty for Fallen Leaves is nominated as well. Yeah, well, I mean... I would I would much rather have seen Jennifer Lawrence play that role again uh, rather than... You know, I would have, I'd put Alma above Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> to be honest, at least Alma had yeah. like a somewhat of a sort of like grounded layered um performance i guess so <laughs> yeah even yeah. if it's is very like it, it, it's it's made to be very like dry comedy no one could ever make me watch fallen leaves ever again <laughs> like there is nothing i wouldn't do to not watch that movie again <laughs> uh, i just uh, i don't want to talk fallen about leaves it. too gotta see it the trilogy no god you're killing me here. All right, we have to move on now. Best picture, or oh, best performance by a male actor in a motion picture, and this is for the drama category. Um, it's annoying that Golden Globes split um, their categories by drama, musical, or comedy. 
there's so many more genres to film and they have to like shoehorn these other It's so weird things. that they just have genres. Yeah. Like what? I don't get okay. it. Okay. It, do, it doesn't make sense. Just have 10 nominees or 12 nominees. So it would mean that if um if The Shining released today, yeah. then oh, not Jay Nicholson wouldn't get he wouldn't get nominated because it's a horror. Yeah, he's not eligible for either. Yeah, sorry. That's not a, that's not a that's not a that's not a drama. But they would shoehorn it into the drama. It's like The Martian being a comedy because they had a couple of funny one-liners. Matt, another Matt Damon comedy movie, by the way. Um, so, <laughs> how is also how is May December a comedy? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I I didn't realize that. Tonight. How is that's not a comedy at all? It's not even remotely a comedy. It's pure drama. It's not a musical. <laughs> yeah, that is a drama movie. Um, I don't know. Okay, otherwise, the, the nominees for Best Male Actor in a Drama Motion Picture, we got Andrew Scott for All of Us Strangers, Barry Keegan for Saltburn, Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, and Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Plow Oh, the, not the Plow Moon, the Flower Moon. Um, Barry Keegan getting nominated. Uh, the cum guzzler himself, uh, he got nominated... The, you have to see uh, it's a Saltburn reference, is it? It is a Saltburn reference. I see. Uh, I'm I'm fine with Barry Keegan getting nominated. Watch. I think that movie comes out. Yeah, Amazon Prime in about a week. Watch that movie. I'm again. I'm really interested in your take on it. Otherwise, yeah, I think yeah, Bradley Cooper, Killian Murphy, Coleman Domingo, and Leonardo DiCaprio. I think they'll be nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars alongside Paul Giamatti as well. I don't, but I just don't know who takes it here. I think Killian does. You think Killian does? I think Killian does. I think Killian's the, um, in my opinion, he 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 has to be the favorite this year for best actor. I, I don't think any other actor here really. I mean, I, I have not seen Killers, yeah. so I cannot judge Leonardo DiCaprio's performance. But I have heard some people mention that it is, um, it's not Leo's best role, but it is a great role. It's a really good role. Yeah, I it's. You've kind of seen him, seen him do it before. Yeah. But, I, I've personally mm. not seen any other actor this year really embody a character mm. um, in the male category Yeah, um, more than Killian has. Yeah. See, I don't even think he's the best one here. From what I've Killian. seen. Yeah. I would say Bradley Cooper's better than Killian because the performance he captures Leonard Bernstein in all aspects of his life from... You know, the young adult mm. to the to the old man. You go, he goes through that transformation. I think he's really, really good. I think I think Leo is Nick and Nick with him. I think probably Paul Giamatti might be my favorite. Um, oh wow, yeah. But it, but he is a he is a lead, right? So who? Paul Giamatti. Yeah, he is a lead. Okay. Um, and he'll be going for lead. But when it comes to this category here, I'm fine for Killian taking it. Honestly, yeah. Good for him. I, I think he does. He does deserve it, but I think there is a compelling case for some other actors here. Still yet to see uh, Andrew Scott uh, and Coleman Domingo. I, I see Coleman Domingo um, popping up a lot here. Yeah. You know, so Rustin might be um, another one to tick off. I think that's on Netflix now. Uh, so that's one I have to watch soon too. All right, moving on to best performance by a female actor in a motion picture, the drama category. Uh, so we got Annette Benning for Inyad, Kaylee Spaney for Priscilla, Carrie Mulligan in Maestro, Greta Lee in Past Lives, Lily Gladstone in Killers of the Flower Moon, and Sandra Hula in Anatomy of a Fall. 
I would say, obviously, Golden Globe splits everything, but Best Actress is the most stacked category, perhaps, mm. of the Oscars because yeah. Carrie Mulligan, Lily Gladstone, Sandra Huller, who else do we have? We have Natalie Portman as well. Uh, oh, there's just there's so many great so performances. Many, yeah. I don't see Priscilla until next Wednesday, so I can't speak on that or Inyad as well. But Carrie Mulligan wins it for me. Oh, Lily Gladstone's great as well. Lily Gladstone's really, really good. It's, it's a hard one, but... I've heard Lily Gladstone's amazing. She is. I, it's, I think it's such a good performance because it carries... The emotional weight is all on that character and what she does with it. Mm. And so she has to hold so much on her own. And I think she just does a really good job for it. My only thing that... And I've always been saying this for this year is she's a supporting actress. And it's a you shame know. because... Mm. I don't know why I would get this impression that with Killers she would be a um, a contemporary with Leo. Yeah, Leo's far and away the lead, but yeah, I think I guess just because Lily Gladstone's character has such a a big importance uh, to the movie. So is she like a sort of is she sort of like a the uh, thematic thematic core to it? Yeah, yeah, everything kind of runs through that character. Yeah, that's what uh, I get the impression in of, terms of yeah. what you're meant to be feeling. Uh, but she's very good, so there's no, uh, I have no issue with her winning this, uh, this category as well. But I think Carrie Mulligan and Sandra Hula deserve uh, some an extra nod there. Mm. Yeah. What about Greta Lee in Past Lives for you? What do you think about her being in the running to get that nomination? Yeah. Uh, with Past Lives, I don't know. I don't know if it was necessarily the performances that blew me away with that film. Mm. Um, they play a very like. Um, um, I say I, I could use the words like somber and muted, mm-hmm. but I would probably say it's just like just realistic. Yeah, I mean that's just how people act. Yeah, like most people aren't very like vibrant or as interesting as many of these characters on this list. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say it, it's not it's not as challenging of a role as these others. True, you know, yeah. um, I I could see many other actresses pulling off what. Greta Lee did here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I couldn't tell you that, you know, she's the only person that could have done this role. Yeah. I would only say that, I mean, I really loved her in the role and I, I wouldn't be mad if she got nominated, but I think it's the kind of that, you know, those kind of final moments of the film. We, you know, those big emotional moments where I think her role is probably at its best. Mm. Otherwise, I completely agree with kind of everything you're saying about that role. I think it's all in yeah. the writing, to be honest. I think that's what really makes it the, the writing of that film. No, definitely. The way it's paced. Yeah. The pacing is fantastic. Yeah. And, and it's just those, those how those feelings are let to, left to sit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the performances play a role, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think it's... Um, I don't think she um, provides something here that is necessarily like um, non-replicable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, we'll move on to best motion picture. That's not in the English language. So we have Anatomy of a Fall, Fallen Leaves, which is a joke. Um, (laughs) I Capitano, um, Italian film. Past Lives, uh, Society of the, S- uh, of the Snow, uh, which is from Spain, and The Zone of Interest, which is the United Kingdom. Um, this is actually a very, very... Wait, United Kingdom? <laughs> it's a UK submission, but spoken in the German language. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
I don't know if you know this when leading about the Oscars because this one's a really hard category to talk about and how it affects the Oscars because Anatomy of a Fool can't be nominated for Best International Feature at the Oscars because France decided to submit The Taste of Things and not Anatomy of a Fool. It's that better. is insane. I don't know why. Um, it, it's just it's bizarre to me. Oh, um, and Anatomy of a Fool is a French film? Pardon? I would thought it would have been yeah, it's French. something else. Yeah. Swiss? German? No. It's, Anything else. I think they yeah. speak everything but French in that. They speak English. They speak... Isn't it French? German. Is it German? Well, they speak Swiss German a lot. Oh. I don't know, but it, it, is, the Fr- it is a French film. Obviously, uh, Fallen Leaves is Finland. Ayo Capitano, Italian. Past Lives? Oh, well, this is non-English language. I don't think Past Lives is eligible for... The Oscars, uh, Society of the Snow is Spain. But it's just really strong lineup for, I guess, non-English language. This is language. very, very... T- yeah, this is hard. I mean, yeah, Except aside from four leaves, leaves, of course. Yeah. Um, but between, like, Anatomy of Four Past Lives and Zone of Interest, mm. you know, that's very tight. It's, it's, I don't know who would win that. I mean... Because I, I those three on- are in, like, the actual best... Motion picture uh, category as well. Yeah, and all of them, all of them have different like strengths as well in different areas, and like they're, they're all excelling in different award um, categ- um, award shows. Yeah, you know, like for one, it's like zone of interest is like absolutely sweeping. For another, it's like past lies is pushing up there, and like right, yeah. anatomy of a fall when the within the Golden Globes, you see that repeatedly. Exactly. You know, probably possibly the most alongside past lives. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be very interesting to see kind of what they give it to here. As long as Fallen Leaves doesn't win, I am satisfied with the winner. <laughs> uh, Society of the Snow, I've heard a lot of good things about, and I really do want to watch that. Yeah, yeah, um, for sure. Oh, all right, here we go. Fuck. Um, the best category. <laughs> okay, so we've got cinematic and box office achievement. Uh, so what does this category even mean? Best money? I, uh, I got a reply on one of my tweets because I was like, I said exactly what what you said. What does this even mean? And then someone sent me uh, the paragraph that I think was a press release by Golden Globes explaining it. And it was like, uh, or it's just the criteria to be eligible that to make at least a hundred million in the domestic market and 150 million worldwide. Great. And so the Marvels? Pardon? <laughs> No, it hasn't made a hundred million. Um, oh, it has not. Not domestically. Oh, how, not quite. I don't think it will either. How much has it made? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I think Disney stopped reporting it because it's horrific. Okay, so the nominees we got for cinematic and box office achievement: we got Barbie, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, John Wick Chapter Four, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, Oppenheimer, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse, Taylor Swift: The Era's Tour, the Super Mario Bros. Movie. All right, so. I mean, let's let's break it down. Eh? So Barbie is an obvious candidate for this. A great film supported by an amazing uh, box office return. So yeah, it's cinematic and it's box office, I guess. Guns of the Galaxy 3 did the same thing as well. John Wick 4, I think, did fine in terms of box office. Um, Mission Impossible, I thought, did shit. It did do shit. Uh, uh, yeah, 291 million budget. And I think it made 5 out of 87. So it lost money. It lost money for but sure. Because it's eligible and because it's a good movie. See, like, none of this is relative. And, like, and obviously Oppenheimer's great in terms of this. Taylor Swift, Super Mario Bros, and Across the Spider-Verse, they all did great box office-wise. But Mission Impossible lost money. So it's not a box office achievement. 
there's not there's nothing there's nothing they achieved there other than mm-hmm. losses. Yeah, and uh, like, uh, or, 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 well, they produced a good movie. Yeah, but but it, it sees here cinematic and box office achievement. They are so two is different saying, things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was just about to say. Cinematic achievement. Okay, yeah. what does that mean? Box office achievement's pretty clear. Yeah, money make great. Yeah. Okay, cinematic achievement. What did you? What do you achieve cinematically? What does that even mean? Yeah, exactly. Are you great? Made great cinema? Is it with a big budget? And it's like in like the premium formats, are like they, IMAX yeah. and are they talking about epicness? 3D? Yeah, like what? What is the criteria here to define cinematic achievement? The only criteria I know of this category is the hundred million USD and uh, one hundred and fifty worldwide. But that's bullshit because Talk to Me made twenty times its budget. Mm-hmm. Didn't make the criteria, but it made twenty times its budget. If you ask me, that's a box office achievement, and A twenty four is certainly jumping up and down, celebrating. Also, the Sound of Freedom. I don't know if you heard much about that movie, mm-hmm. um, or its box office achievement. Sixteen times its budget. Yeah, and that that got over a hundred million USD, and it got over one hundred fifty million worldwide. Yeah, so that's a massive box office achievement. It's better than any of these in terms of. Uh, box office versus the budget. So what's the criteria here? Well, exactly. And if you would say something like, what is the greatest box office achievement? So something like, say, um, Paranormal Activity. That was made on a, a budget of like... Wasn't that less than a million or that, something? Oh, it was made on $15,000. Way less than a $15,000 and it made $194 million. <laughs> That's crazy. You got movies like this, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much it earned world um, domestically, but let's say it didn't earn. It only earned two hundred million. Mm-hmm. Maybe it didn't earn two hundred million domestically. A hundred million domestically. Yeah, that wouldn't be eligible. But it's bullshit, and right? it's one of the most profitable films ever made. <laughs> yeah, that is no doubt a box office achievement. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, it's hundred seven million domestically for that movie. So luckily, it would have got. It would made it, but it's yeah. not cinematic enough. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, that's the one that catches you, right? But if we're talking about cinematic, Taylor Swift the Eras Tour, that's not really a cinematic movie. Yeah, it's a concert not cinematic movie. at all. Yeah, like, there's no... It's just... There's no film language in it. It's just popular. It's just best popular movie. It's, it's stupid. Um, and if I am going to be honest about this, we don't need a category for best box office achievement. The box office is the achievement. They get millions of dollars. Yeah. Like they, they get that. Let the other movies that don't make so much money, that are great and deserve to be nominated, get this recognition. Not the ones that have already fucking made millions for a studio. I think it's ridiculous. Um, but if I am going to try and predict an award for this or predict the worthy nominee, I think Barbie will win easily. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly say I think Oppenheimer is the most impressive box office performance about of any of these. I think I think it's as equally surprising as Barbie. I think you can say a, a lot in retrospect to say like oh Barbie was it was always written on the wall. But mm. I don't think it necessarily was always written on the wall. I think it's Not potential to to making a lot of money was 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 there. Yeah. There was an argument to be made for it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anyone was throwing around 1.4 billion. No, I don't. I don't think they were. 
But I did say, I think about five weeks out of the release, I'm like, it's a billion dollar. It's going to make a billion dollars. Yeah. I, I, I saw it coming a little bit earlier than everyone else. So by the time the movie's released on like Barbenheimer weekend, Oppenheimer's one that blew me away. I was pretty, I was satisfied with Barbie. Um, and it still is very, very impressive. Uh, but they are pretty much neck and neck. I think when I compare expectation versus the result, the uh, disparity or the, or the difference is greater with Oppenheimer than Barbie yeah. for, for, any, for any of these. Well, yeah, especially uh, because uh, Oppenheimer does a lot of things that are counterintuitive to what is, is said to you know, uh, repel audiences. Yes. It's yeah. a long movie. There are mm-hmm. black and white sequences. There are a lot of, mo- yeah. um, there's, there's, there's like, you know, like 30 minutes straight of like people talking in a small room, exactly, you know, like yeah. it, there's just, there's so many things in there, so many red flags to say like, this wouldn't, this is not, this doesn't hit our stats. This doesn't hit our numbers, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and yet it may make, makes nearly a billion. It's, yeah, it's at 9.50. It's got a couple of releases on the way. Uh, it got approved for a Japan release. Yeah, which so could, could it, tip it. I think it's going to hit a billion. And there's no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't like, take me back six months ago. I couldn't imagine any reality where uh, Oppenheimer made a billion dollars. Yeah. You, you could always convince me that there's a Barbie movie out there that could have made a billion mm. uh, prior to the release, of course. But Oppenheimer, I, you just couldn't sell me on that idea that, oh, yeah, three hour black and white. I did think uh, it would make a billion. Remember, Oppenheimer but it was very, R-rated. Yeah, that, oh, that's another thing. Yeah. It is R-rated. That's yeah. why it's more of an achievement for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, if Barbie and Oppenheimer don't win, watch something like John Wick take this. Like That, that <laughs> wouldn't even make sense. The category doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, another category that doesn't make sense, the one we're going to cover right now, that's Best Motion Picture Animated. Um, so we've got The Boy and the Huron. Elemental, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Suzumi, is that how I said? Um, the Super Mario Bros. movie, and Wish. Um, and I wish Wish wasn't in this because it is absolutely, <laughs> it, this is a horrific, horrific thing. Um, I haven't seen Nimona. I haven't seen Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but I've seen the reception and I've seen uh, lots of love uh, from audiences of all those movies, and it wasn't nominated. I've seen Wish, and I've seen people's responses to it. It's not a good movie. It's not okay. It's bad. It's poorly written. How is it even in here? I, I, this makes me, you, you always got the conspiracy theorists with this kind of stuff, but it feels like a Disney paid for this. I'm not saying I believe that. Yeah. But it, uh, I just, uh, how? It feels how? that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, this is our um, this is our anniversary movie and we want it to do well. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, just, it, it feels like that. Again, don't actually believe that mm. um, because that would be like corruption at the highest level and <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure that would never happen. But yeah. um, because, you know. It's you the know, only explanation yeah, at this point. You know, corruption is impossible. Yeah. Um, but um, it's stupid. I mean, like I'll give a pass Super Mario Bros. movie. I didn't like that movie and I think it's uh, pretty average. But Wish is bad, and I know I'm going to love at least six movies before that movie in terms of the animated ones this year. Obviously, in terms of who's winning, that's going to be between The Boy and Huron and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I don't know if Elemental is being uh, underloved for this. Maybe it's just me that loves it as much as I do. 
But I think I it, think it was just like a sleeper mm. hit, and I think it deserves to be yeah. uh, or have more of a stake in this category. Um, but yeah, perhaps I just love that more than everyone else. But across Spider Verse and the Boy and the Huron are two of the best. What, what do you think movies. is higher for you, the Boy and the Huron, like on a cinematic level? Like, what do you think is more? What do you mean cinematic? It, do you mean cinematic or box office? I mean cinematic and box office achievement, and, and how they achieved it. <laughs> um, um, like in terms of Boy and the Ron and across Spider Verse, yeah, not not what your favorite is, what you think is deserving the most of of this win. Oh, that is a tough. I actually no, it's not tough, man. It's the Boy and the Ron. Um, it's actually not. I might even put now that I've thought about this, Elemental above across Spider-Verse. Across the Spider-Verse. Oh, above across the Spider-Verse. Yeah, not, not above the boy in the Huron. Right. Uh, across Spider-Verse is half a story. Let's treat it like half a story. It's Dune. Huh? <laughs> it's Dune. It's, it's Dune. Dune has more of a rounded story than across the Spider-Verse. And I think... In terms, it's still a great movie. It's it's one of the best animated movies ever. Um, I'll say that much. But in terms of a fully complete film, I, I got to give it to Boy in the Home just for that factor alone. Um, but you can't deny its greatness, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, will be the third, if it is, it's the the third Oscar for um, um, Hayao Miyazaki. Because he's done, a, I think he won for, for Howl's Million Castle and for Spirited Away. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think those are the two. So that would be his third third Oscar for Best Animated Picture. Yeah. Which is crazy. I don't think anyone has achieved that. Maybe Peak Doctor at some point. Be between, yeah, that, that could be the really only contender there. He'd probably be the only contender, yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll move on to the two biggest categories of the night. Uh, best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. So we got Air, American Fiction, Barbie, The Holdovers, May December, which is in the comedy, and Poor Things. What do you mean? May December is hilarious. It's so funny. <laughs> when we find out the truth, it's just oh, it's actually a funny story. It is. You just you're just bawling or laughing, eh? and then all the 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 um you know the dances they break out in. It really makes it a strong musical as well. And then Charles Melton starts singing. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> 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 No. Um, but yeah, okay. So I haven't seen Poor Things or American Fiction yet, so I can't really comment on those. But in terms of who I think is going to win this one, look, I would have said The Holdovers because I would say it's the best one here that I've seen. But I think it's Barbie because The Holdovers missed out on screenplay, missed out on director. Barbie's got that. And I think those are two of the biggest categories that support it. Otherwise. Poor Things stands a good chance at trying to rival it as well. It's either going to be between Barbie and Poor Things. May, December, I think is worthy to be uh, to to win this category for sure. I just don't think it has the support behind it. And Air is just kind of like a, a, a shoo-in for me personally. Yeah. Great movie, but not really kind of at this caliber. What about you? Barbie, do you think it's worthy of a, a win here? Like, would you be mad if it won? I would be. I would be mad if it won if I um if I saw poor things and felt it was in holdovers and felt those were both astronomically mm. superior. Well, you've seen May December. So I've seen May December. How do you compare those two? They're very different movies. They're extraordinarily different. One's movies. A musical, one's a comedy. 
Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh. Yeah. Uh, this is really hard, you know. I, I think... I think they're equal. You think they're equal? I think they're equal. Yeah. I think May December does amazing things with its performances and its They do two characters. very different things, eh? Yeah, but Barbie is just so... It's so unique, I suppose, among what we typically get. Yeah. Um, that I think it, 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 it does deserve praise. It does mm. deserve praise. And it does deserve to be, in fact, in many of these categories. Yeah, not all of not yeah. not as many as it is. Yeah, but it does deserve and to be many of of them. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it does deserve nominations in quite a few categories. Yeah, I would say May December is the better film. Um, but I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I don't know if more deserving of the win because I think those are two different things. Yeah, because Barbie does stuff on a cultural level. It does a lot of stuff on a cultural you level. You might have to think yeah. about that. Yeah. I think it's it's actually a little bit little bit um, limp. On on the like send off, I don't think it ends as strong as it could. A Barbie, Barbie, yeah. For me, I don't. Mm. I wasn't really convinced by the Barbie character. Uh, uh, like it, it's the emotionality. Oh no! And yeah. and, and, and the in what they were trying to mm-hmm. convince me of. Yeah, not not entirely. A mm. lot of it, yes, but not entirely. Yeah. Um. Whereas with May December, like it's. You're like almost fully convinced by that's its message at the end and mm. what it's saying at the end, and it's, yeah. it throws you through a washing machine at the end. You're just sort of like, oh, whoa. whoa, what yeah. the? Yeah, I remember I tried to explain the plot of that movie to someone, and wow, that would be hard. And yeah, I was just real hard, and they were like, what, 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 uh, what do you mean? And yeah, I was just trying to explain it, and then once I'd finally got it to a place where they could comprehend, they're like, whoa, that's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. They weren't yeah. laughing or singing because so, it's not a musical or comedy. But, um. Correct. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how many moments in there there is like even a laughable moment. There is maybe a few moments of like real awkwardness. It's just funny what happened to Charles Melton character. Clearly. Oh, this is classic. <laughs> oh, no. This is a classic dumb, Golden man. Globes. Eh? Yeah. Like the, the comedy, The Martian. It's like, <laughs> What? <laughs> Again, because oh, they miss out on drama. Like, stop splitting into categories. Just do twelve movies if you want to do twelve movies, one category. Yeah, it's, Simple, it's, it's fine. It's so easy, and yeah. then you can encompass all out of the genres. Wow, yeah. who knew? Just add box office, best motion picture, box office genre. <laughs> Avatar wins everything. All right, we're going to cover the last uh, category for the Golden Globe Awards. That's best motion picture drama. So we got Anatomy of a Fall, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, and The Zone of Interest. Very encouraging to see The Zone of Interest. I know it won one critic circle best picture, but other than that, I think it was pretty much out of everything till now. So I'm glad it's got some momentum behind it. But yeah, Anatomy of a Fall, Past Lives, and The Zone of Interest, not in the English language. In mm. best motion picture drama, that might have to be a record. There might be a record, and yeah. it's a good sign. Mm. It is a great sign. Um, but yeah, if if you've been listening to the entirety of this podcast right now, you know that these movies are kind of all in this best motion picture category because they've shown up everywhere in these nominations so far. But yeah, I I don't I, I Killers of the Flower Moon I think is going to win this. 
I don't know if Oppenheimer wins much at the Golden Globes at the end of the day. Uh, but if I have to do a number two for this, it's Oppenheimer. I think it's between those two to take out the win for this. Yeah, I could definitely see a reality where Oppenheimer gets a whole bunch of nominations at the Oscars and wins nothing. Yeah, it's hard to see. Yeah. I don't want to see that. I, I went through that with Dunkirk. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that one's hard, but I think it's a reality we might have to stomach at some point. Maybe. Yeah. Again. Um, this is hard. Yeah, I mean, Killers, Killers and um, Oppenheimer are really the... Um, the most logical picks, though. Zone of interest is um, building up a lot of interest. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I know. That was, that was really clever. <laughs> yeah. um, but, I mean, like, yeah. it's, a, it's a stacked category, and you combine that with the, so to speak, musical comedy category, you've got a good uh, set of movies there. Well, I, the movies that were missing from both of those motion picture categories uh, was The Color Purple. The holdovers was missing, wasn't it? No, the holdovers was not. No, sorry. No, well, well, the color purple would be part of musical or comedy. Oh yeah, um, put that in instead of May December, by the way, uh, because well, that's actually a musical. Um, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> amazing, <laughs> amazing, right? Yeah. They had another option, and they still <laughs> chose May December. Exactly. Uh, we'll move on now to the Critics' Choice Awards that was announced uh, this morning, which would be December the 14th for us in New Zealand here. And yeah, they have their own uh, interesting ones as well. So we are going to cover that. We're going to cover it from kind of the... Uh, we'll go from the kind of smallest category to the most important category as well. Same as we did with the Golden Globes. So we'll be starting off with Best Score. And these nominations, they're quite similar to the Golden Globes, but they have their differences. So we got uh, Jerskin Fendrix for Poor Things, Michael Michael Guancino for Society of the Snow, Ludwig Göransson for Oppenheimer, Daniel Pemberton for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Robbie Robertson for Killers of the Flowers Moon, Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt for Barbie. Like Barbie for score? I don't remember a single piece of music except for the songs. Yeah, everything about the songs is what makes it. Exactly, yeah. That's, yeah, like this is all there is to it. Yeah, I, I don't understand that one. Um, but Barbie got 18 nominations in the Critics' Choice, so it's a, a pair. Expect it to come into almost all uh, nominations here. Yeah, I haven't seen Poor Things, so really, I mean, I think this is between Ludwig and um, Daniel Pemberton. Yeah, I, I think they are the two that are going to be leading this one throughout yeah. the entire thing. Uh, but I have heard a lot of good stuff about the score for Society of the Snow, a movie that I want to see, and it's on Netflix soon. So, mm. um, And, you know, Michael Guaccino, I don't know how to pronounce that last name, sorry. But, yeah, he does a lot of good stuff. Um, otherwise, we'll move on now. Giacchino. That's got to be it. He did um, Credibles, right? Yeah. 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 Giacchino then. Best song, we got Dance the Night, Barbie. Okay. Um, just Ken, Barbie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Peaches, the Super Mario Bros. movie, Road to Freedom and Rustin, This Wish in Wish. What was I made for for Barbie? Now, I've talked a lot of shit about Wish uh, through this uh, little podcast special here, but This Wish, the song to be nominated in Best Song, I'm completely fine with that. I'm happy for it to get that nomination. In fact, I'd rather get the nomination over Dance Tonight by Barbie. I just don't think it's worthy of a Best Animated Feature nomination. This Wish is a good song. I think it's perfectly fine to get the nomination here. But again, my thoughts remain pretty much the same with Golden Globes because 
uh, they're almost the same exact nominations. Yeah. What, what was I made for for Barbie? I think should win and will most likely win for me. Yep. Yeah, I would agree. All right, we got best foreign language film. So we got Anatomy of a Fall again. Uh, it means nothing in regards to the Oscars because one, it cannot be nominated at the Oscars for Best International Movie. Uh, Godzilla Minus One also can't be nominated for the Oscars as well. Um, because Boy and Haran is being submitted instead? Nah, Perfect Days was Japan's uh, submission. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow, who knew that? Yeah. I know. So Anatomy of a Fall was nominated, Godzilla Minus One nominated, Perfect Days, Society of the Snow, The Taste of Things, The Zone of Interest. And yeah, The Taste of Things is France's uh, submission, uh, not an- Anatomy of a Fall. And Perfect Days is Japan's submission for um, yeah, for Japan. So Godzilla Minus One cannot be nominated. A question for you though, do you think with the Oscars, they should drop this whole like one submission per uh, country and just the best international film kind of be nominated rather than having a submission from each country for foreign language. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they should drop it. Um, I so, think this is merely a way for them to try and push a diversity up among the um, applicants. Mm. Um, but I think that, you know, if your country is producing stellar filmmaking, um, why should why should they not be able to capitalize on um, having a monopoly um, as much as America does? That's America has an absolute monopoly on the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, they definitely do. Yeah, they produce mm. a lot of good films, but like, mm. you know, they completely overshadow everyone else. Yeah, um, I mean, it took over 70 years for a foreign film to even win Best Picture. Exactly. Yeah. And when it was clear that, you know, for... The past 70 years, you know, absolutely stellar um, films since the bloody 40s, earlier. um, Foreign films have been um, being produced that were exceeding that of American filmmaking. Definitely. But it's honestly, it's really nice to see Godzilla Minus One. You saw it the other day. I did. What do you think of it? I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Didn't love it? I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a really good mm-hmm. creation of uh, recreation of Godzilla. And it had a lot of, uh, they did a lot right. Yeah. They did so much right. Yeah. Um, but in terms of the storytelling. All right. So what are you, what are your thoughts on it being in this list amongst these kind of films? Well, probably a bit pointless now that we know that it can't be, um, that's true. Yeah. yeah Oscar awarded, but you know, um, I'll be honest, I'm maybe a little bit more confused why Japan doesn't push the boy in Haran. I don't know. And another thing, they have to submit this like a few months ago. Mm. So they have to make their submission like quite early in the game here. They can't see what's like, you know, getting Which is bars. really silly. Yeah, it's like, it makes no sense. Yeah, it makes no sense to have these submissions this early and it makes no mm. sense for it to only, you're only be able to submit one movie. What if mm. you, 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 your country produces... Two fantastic movies by two fantastic directors. That's France right now with yeah. the taste of things and Anatomy of a Fall. Exactly. And yeah. it's like fr- French cinema is absolutely vast. Mm. You know, it's, it's it's just, it's dumb. Yeah. It's really dumb. It is, it is dumb. I don't understand. I would honestly think that the only reason is so there's not too much movies for the voters to watch. I would yes. honestly say that's the only reason. But uh, who am I to judge? 
Uh, okay, so best animated feature. The nominations at the Critics' Choice Awards were The Boy and the Heron, Elemental, Nimona, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, and somehow Wish. How is it Wish keeps sneaking its way in? I don't know. It's paid, man. There's no other, there's no other explanation. Disney is paying these critics that are doing this. Uh, I Honestly, I don't know. I don't have any clue, but... At least Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles made it in there. Yeah, if you get those top five in there, because remember, only five nominations are for the Oscars. Yeah. So you get The Boy and the Ron, Elemental, Nimona, Spider-Man Across the Spiders, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think that is a great lineup that for animated. That is a fantastic lineup. Uh, Wish can fuck off. Honestly, mm. I, I think it's going to get an Oscar nomination, and I'm going to be furious. I'm going to rage on the potty. I hate it so much. I'm sneezing over it. I don't want to talk about it. All right. uh, We're talking about a lot of categories in this podcast and Critics' Choice Awards decided to do best comedy. We'll glance over the nominations here. We've got American Fiction, Barbie, Bottoms, The Holdovers, No Hard Feelings, and Poor Things. Kudos to Critics' Choice Awards for actually nominating comedies. Yeah. I mean, where's May, December, though? Uh, um, but I mean something like Bottoms I've heard good stuff about that yeah. and I mean seemingly get a nomination here uh, I don't know if I'd classify The Holdovers as a as a comedy it has comedic elements maybe it's like a witty at most like a very witty yeah it's it's kind of oh, I, I always compare it to Manchester by the Sea it kind of just has those funny lines in it and yeah, yeah but it is quite a bit of a stretch heartfelt at times too yeah it's, yeah. it's a stretch but yeah, I think this is a is a finalist when you're talking about best comedy. Yeah. All right, we got uh, best visual effects. Thank God Ant Man's not in this, but we do have nominated is the creator, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. Did you say Oppenheimer was nominated for best visual effects? How right? Yeah. It's not even the shortlist for the Oscars. Uh, yeah, so Oppenheimer nominated, Poor Things, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Somehow, Across the Spider-Verse uh, keeps being quite relevant in this category. I don't understand what best visual effects means then. Oh, it must be my problem. Because then why is the boy in Haran not on best visual effects? It's all hand animated, is it not? Yeah. It's all hand drawn. But Across the Spider-Verse has better animation. Yeah, I mean, it might have more rich and interesting animation. I mean, it does have, like, visual effects in it, but it's just like, I mean, how do you define that? It's To me, it's really silly to put animated films in here. I can understand stop motion because it's technically practical. Yeah. But I cannot understand putting an animated film in here that is purely rendered internally um, in a computer and no part of it is, well, I suppose actually aspects of it is live action, right? I think I'm going to clarify that. I, mean, I really hope yeah. it's not, that's not the reason it, it's in this category. It's yeah. because aspects of it are live action. It's like a, a few seconds. A few seconds. Yeah. I don't understand it, but you scratched across the spider. I think you've got a pretty great list here. Creator, Guns of Galaxy Volume 3, Mission Impossible, Oppenheimer, and Poor Things. I think it's really good. In my opinion, I think yeah. the creator deserves to win. Yeah. I mean... Uh, I said it, and I think our last last podcast, Creator and Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm I'm happy for both. Yeah, yeah. And those are the only ones that I think that that are truly deserving in this category. So, yeah. 
All right, so we're moving on now to best hair and makeup. So we've got Barbie, The Color Purple, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, and Priscilla. I've heard great things about Priscilla. Uh, still yet to see it though. Same with Poor Things, but honestly, I think Maestro. It's, it's, Maestro. You think Maestro? Wait, the, what were you gonna say? I was gonna say I think Barbie's the the clear winner here. Have you you've seen the trailer for Maestro? Bradley Cooper. I have. Doesn't look like Bradley Cooper. Uh the transformation in there is just oh, it's impeccable. It's so good, and it is Oscar Beatty, but. For best hair and makeup, like what's what's Barbie got? Pink. Isn't that more in production design and costuming? I suppose it is. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that that's where I would put uh, kind of its front running yeah status towards. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. I suppose hair and makeup is a little mm. bit more in that sort of granular detail kind of side. Yeah, because I, I would in which even case say, Maestro makes a lot of sense because also yeah. Carrie Mulligan looks great in that. Yeah, um, I would even say Oppenheimer is better than Barbie in terms yeah. of hair and makeup. It's way more subtle, but you get yeah, you it's get a little subtle. Young version and old versions of the characters. Yeah. Um. Mm. Mm. The color purple, though, not noteworthy in my opinion. Um. I don't see how that really can qualify as much as the other ones here. Uh, now we'll move on to best costuming or best costume design, sorry. So we've got Barbie, Wonka, The Color Purple, Poor Things, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Napoleon. Ooh, so how does Napoleon stack up here? Uh, it's very good. I would say that, yeah, the technical aspects of the film are great. The rest of the film is bad. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, it's not a good movie. But yeah, I think Napoleon, when it comes to costume design, I think that's worthy of the nomination. Uh, obviously, I'd have to stack up all the movies side by side to really get a better gist of it. Um, I, honestly, I think Barbie. Um, and I haven't seen it yet, but Poor Things. Because from what I've seen in Poor Things, it looks very uh, interesting with its costuming. And I've heard like kind of the character grows with the costuming, plays a quite a key part in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Barbie is a really strong competitor in this one. And obviously Killers of the Flower Moon, getting that kind of 1920s, 1930s kind of look and feel to it, especially in that time period and that era. So I think those are the key ones to look out for. Uh, Wonka, thoughts? Nah. It doesn't do enough. It, it, yeah. it, it, it sticks in one location, really, for the most part, in one mm. town. Doesn't do enough, and you know, there's such, there's such a richness to the original, yeah. Um, to the original's costuming, mm -hmm. that um, no, yeah. yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty standard to be honest. Yeah. All right, best editing. Uh, so we got Air, what? Um, Barbie, Oppenheimer, Poor Things, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Maestro. I, I don't know why Air's in here. Barbie, Barbie's fine. Yeah, I I don't know anything noteworthy. Yeah, what about its editing? Is really the the selling point. That's strange. No clue. Uh, Oppenheimer, obviously, that's quite flashy. I mean, Anatomy of a Fool is far more worthy of being here in editing. Yes, bro. Anatomy Fool is really good with it. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that one's actually that's yeah that's that's actually a snub. I I love um, Anatomy Falls editing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why Barbie and Era in this category, but um, honestly, I think it's going to be Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. 
regardless, one, it's a three hour, three and a half hour movie to make that something that I guess people can watch is a challenge in itself. And I think it does it in a really good way. I came out of Kills of the Flower Moon and I'm like, oh, that could have been an hour longer. And I probably still wouldn't have noticed the runtime. Yeah. Um, so, and just the way it kind of builds its story, it, I, the pacing's just phenomenal in it. Oppenheimer is obviously very good. Uh, Maestro is not. I don't think Maestro's got good editing. I think it's mm-hmm. it's perfectly. Actually, no. I, I, editing might be one of the worst parts. I it. swear to I swear to God, editing tends to be one of the most like wackiest. Yeah, wackiest. Like, like what do people even do? People even understand what they're voting for here? Kind of category. Bohemian Rhapsody. I've Ugh. I've lost all respect for best editing in the Oscars because of Bohemian Rhapsody. Correct. Do you remember that one scene? Uh, it's like got like I think thirty four cuts in a minute or something like that, or yeah. like in like thirty seconds or something. It it's ridiculous. Honestly, like those cuts aside, you know, like the movie itself, very very standard editing. There's nothing particularly special about it. You know. Uh, I'd put Rocket Man above it in terms of editing. Oh, 100%. You know, like, yeah. it's just so standard. <laughs> oh, it's a weird one. Uh, you know, there's a lot of weird nominations in this best editing category. So we'll move on now to best production design. So we've got Saltburn, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon, Barbie, Poor Things, and Asteroid City. Still yet to see Asteroid City, actually. Hmm. But from, I mean, from what I've seen from the promotional material, it's it's very good. Mm. Uh, Saltburn it's a surprise to be sure considering the movie has been uh, quite divisive with its reception from uh, the critics but it's still it's still really good so I'm, I'm glad it's actually got the nomination Oppenheimer Kills of the Flower Moon Barbie and Poor Things they're all very good very very good I haven't seen Poor Things obviously but Poor I've, Things is going to be an interesting one because it has such a unique style to it I've yeah I've seen um just oh, so much good stuff in terms of its production design. It's like, I could, you can't Very even describe it. It's almost like this like steampunk gothic look. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, um, but like 19th century kind of vibe to it as yeah, well. Yeah, like st- steam gothic. Yeah. It's so like weird, like late 18th century Mm. like semi-Victorian, just very like peculiar, off offbeat looking weirdness. It's so great. And like, I mean, I I, I saw a still and it's like the brothel of, in in a movie, Mm. or in Poor Things, sorry. And like the windows are like cock shaped. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, that's just cool. Like, I mean, it's not like, um, you know, like love it or anything, but it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's makes the movie far more interesting when it's just has that extra layer of, of detail within the kind of the backdrop to, to what the characters are in. It's the best way I'll say it. Don't give me that look. Um, but yeah, so I, I, that, I think that's probably going to be the front runner heading into actually front runner alongside Barbie. Barbie obviously deserves uh, production design quite a bit. You know. Really, uh, to be honest, you know, I I I felt the production design of Barbie to be not as impressive as the costuming. Ooh. Um, I thought it was it kind of looked a bit cheap. cheap. I think it's intentionally meant to look cheap. I, I know, like I know. There's a level of it of a, our world, but you can make you can make a good looking, cheap looking world. True, but I also think like the narrative that they kind of ran out of like that color shade of pink 
uh, paint. Like they took out the like world storage or some shit like that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they and there was like a like low shortage across the across the globe because of it. I think that might play a part in it. Oppenheimer to me was was very 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 impressive. True. And it's production. Yeah, um, I mean they they built a Los Alamos and then shot parts of it in the real Los Alamos and like the the heritage buildings and stuff. Yeah. Um I think Oppenheimer will go kind of go under the radar because it's so like real. And it's not, so like, real, but it's yeah, it's the presentation of Oppenheimer for mm. me. It's really how it's presented. Like at no point throughout the film are you are you um pulled away from feeling it, it it feeling um like a modern recreation like it's in modern day yeah um you know poor things probably might feel the same way actually but um it may be killers yeah yeah killers is very good as well uh very large sets built for that one but honestly, from what I've seen from poor things, yeah, I'm just really loving the yeah, direction. Yeah, I'm very of interested that. to see it. Uh, it's my yeah. honestly, I'm so anticipate. Uh, it's one of my most anticipated. Yeah, yeah. It's just like one of those movies where you'll be watching it and you'll be like noticing like different things in the frame, just kind of in the background on those sets. I think, yeah, which kind of makes it or like elevates the material a bit. Yeah. Best cinematography. So we got uh, Matthew Labatacue for Maestro. Uh, Rodrigo Prieto for Barbie. Okay. Roger Rodrigo Prieto again for Killers of the Flower Moon. We got Robbie Ryan for Poor Things, Linus Sandgren for Saltburn, and Hoyt Ben Hoytemar for Oppenheimer. Uh, I really love this list outside of the Barbie one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think Barbie's cinematography was actually... I don't know. Maybe there's a certain film language to it that... It's surprising. That, that, that's, that's clever that I'm, I'm missing, but I think it, for me, in my lot, a lot of it is the sets that really let me down on Barbie's visual presentation. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't think the there's like a few standout scenes, you know, of Barbie like standing in the black void and like you do have stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that, and like uh, yeah, the homage thing right at the start to Stanley Kubrick, but. Other than that, there's really not much to it that's particularly like, wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much the exact same. And I have seen all of these except for Poor Things, and I really did love all of them from a um, cinematography level. Like, yeah, Maestro, yeah, Killers, Saltburn, and Oppenheimer. They're really, really good. I don't see Barbie taking out that final spot when it comes to the Oscars. Mm. Yeah. Right, move on now to best adapted screenplay. So now we're dividing the screenplay uh, categories. So mm. we got Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, All of Us Strangers, American Fiction, Poor Things, Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower Moon. And I've only seen two of these, and that's Oppenheimer Same. and Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Oh, because you've seen Are You There, God? It's Three. Me, Margaret. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I haven't seen really enough to make a, I, I guess, uh, extensive uh, comment on this, but I still believe that the winners of this will either be Oppenheimer or Kills of the Flower Moon at the end of the day. These other ones, I don't think stand a chance. Perhaps poor things, perhaps. Mm. What do you, what do you think? I don't know. I mean, I was just scanning over and I was like, where's the holdovers? And then I realized it's original. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I imagine um, it's going to be between interesting. Look, there's no Barbie and, um, it's adapted. An, it's an original. 
somehow. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's probably going to go to opioid killers. I mean, mm. it's a boring answer, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. They probably are the best written ones as well, but yeah. I can't say that until I've seen it myself. Uh, so we'll move on now to best original screenplay. So we got May, December, Air, Maestro, Barbie, The Holdovers, and Past Lives. And for this one, I have seen all of them. Good. Uh, and if I had to make my pick, my personal pick, you know, it's it's got to be The Holdovers for me. Uh, they're just it, it, those characters feel so real, complex, and and nuanced in a way that none of the other movies can really do. Perhaps May December. May, yeah, I was going to say May yeah. December pretty much fits that category. May December would be a close second for me with Past Lives and third. The other ones are kind of uh, weak. Yeah. Um, Barbie has its strong points, but I think it's doing too much to really yeah do anything did, at all. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. So I, I do love the the holdovers to, I don't know to win this one. I, I just feel like Barbie's going to get a lot of things because it's been nominated f- for everything in in the critics' choice. Um, but obviously the holdovers and past lives, I think they play a strong chance to win this category. Fair, yeah. Because uh, you haven't have you you've seen May December and yeah, there's Barbie. almost no point in me commenting on. Have seen past lives as well? Yeah, I mean, I may have, I've seen a few of them. I've seen like you know four of them there, but yeah, I've not seen the holdovers, and that's a that's a number one for you. So I really, really, really need to watch it. Definitely get on to that one. Yeah. All right. So for best director, we have Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Greta Gerwig for Barbie. Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things, Christopher Nolan from Oppenheimer, Alexander Payne for The Holdovers, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. So almost the same as Golden Globes, just swapping a Celine song for Past Lives for Alexander Payne and The Holdovers. Otherwise, they are basically the same. Yeah. And again, I think director... Uh, unless Barbie or Poor Things start gathering like massive momentum, I just I only think it's between Christopher Nolan and Martin Scorsese. I don't think there's anyone in the conversation right now that are a threat to those two. Other than maybe Yorgos? Potentially. I need to see how things plan out a little bit more. Mm. But I honestly think that those two directors are the only ones that are actually going to win or have a chance of winning at this point. Mm. Yeah. I would probably put Greta above Yorgos right now. Hmm. But that's only because Barbie's got like 18 nominations. Um, yeah. Oh, and by the way, the Iron Claw's not in this at all. Did the critics see this? Yeah. Have they seen this movie? I, I don't know. Yeah, um, and, that's, and, and that really um, ties is, into the uh, follow-up category as well. Yes. Um, I just saw Best Acting Ensemble and it reminded me. Um, but I'm... I'm now mad because yeah, it's quite triggering. Yeah, eh? we, it's. Yeah. I mean, you could almost predict this mm. based on the the casting, the pre casting, just looking at that casting. Yeah, but so for the nominations for best acting ensemble, we got Air, okay, Barbie, The Color Purple, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, and Oppenheimer. Uh, Air over the Iron Claw. I don't really know, and the Iron Claw is not full of like well knowns or A listers. But man, the just that ensemble, oh, it's so good. Yeah. They all work so, so well together. Oh, I, I love that movie. And 
the fact that it hasn't gotten a single nomination makes me uh, believe that these nominations were submitted prior to critics actually seeing the film. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of this acting ensemble, obviously Barbie is really good. Color Purples, they're all very, very good. Oppenheimer though, I would say Oppenheimer is probably the best one out of these. Would you say it's better over Barbie? Uh, yeah, I would say it's better over Barbie, but um, I don't know. What, what about the holdovers? You think about the more granular mm. acting there. I the holdovers perhaps, but it is. It's usually it's just like three main characters or like three characters. But when I hear the word acting ensemble, I think of like a massive or like a big, big ensemble of mm. like, you know, at least five plus. Holdovers doesn't have that. It's just really like really great three performances there. Yeah. So that's why I wouldn't consider it as much of a competitor in this category as something like Oppenheimer or even Killers of the Far Moon. I mean, technically, a great acting ensemble this year is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Would you consider that great acting? I would say it's a great ensemble. Interesting. Because it is. It's a fantastic ensemble of, of actors. Yeah. And well, they're all utilized to their best abilities. That's true. But it's a comic book movie. Isn't yeah. Then they're, they're not going to do that one. The Color Purple, I think, deserves way more consideration. Obviously, I think, I hope. Oppenheimer wins, I think it's the best one in this uh, category. But uh, yeah, I, I really do love uh, the Iron Claw. At least it's our uh, chances for that one. Because you made the point, I think, last week that the difference was that the Iron Claw is not A-listers. It's not like Oppenheimer. It's just these bunch of like semi-unknown or these up-and-coming mm-hmm. actors. Yep. But they've done so well. Yep. And I've seen it now after that comment and I'm like, yep, that's it. Mm. That's it, because you don't expect it. Yeah, yeah. Oppenheimer, like you see those actors, like you're like you, it's you see be this absolute like crazy casting. You're like, yeah. yeah. I think that's a lot of what acting ensemble really is. It's just like the best actors that are chosen, not the the best cast for the roles of the characters and how they work in the film. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. All right, uh, we'll skim over this one. We got best young actor or actress. So we got Abby Ryder Fortson for Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. We got Ariana Greenblatt for Barbie. We got Carla Lane for Wonka. Milo Mercado Grana for Anatomy of a Fool. We got Dominic Sessa for The Holdovers. And we got Madeline Una Vols for The Creator. I feel like you're already going to say Dominic Sessa, right? Or Milo. Milo. I don't know. I'm. I would probably say Dominic Sessa because he's a lead, mm. or like oh, he's a, no, he's more supporting, but he's very, very close to a lead character. I think I haven't seen "Are You There, God?" It's me, Margaret, but I've seen the others, mm. and Dominic Sessa has the biggest role, and he's very, very good. Yeah, a- Abby Ryder Fortson is like as lead as you get. In oh, that so movie. she's pretty much kind of the lead in that. She is like. Because I know yeah. um, she's like the Oppenheimer and Oppenheimer. She yeah, because like, Rachel McAdams is the supporting actress. She's a supporting actress, and so is Ben Safety as a supporting actor. So how is how good's Abby in that movie? Oh, she's great. Uh, she feels like a kid. 
um, mm-hmm. and she's she's going through a lot of the whole movie is essentially about her um, trying to her mother's a was raised Catholic I think and her mm-hmm. father is a Jew oh, wow. and um, it's kind of about her grappling with religion whether oh, okay. or not yeah she truly believes or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's coming of age and yeah. about a girl sort of grappling with those things and all the other feelings. Right. So yeah, she she pro- provides a lot of subtlety in it. Um, Interesting. Yeah, well, whereas, I'll, I'll see that before. Yeah, whereas yeah, I have not seen Dominic Sesso, um in Holdover, so I don't really know. You've seen all the others, though, eh? Yeah. Yeah, mm. I have. Yeah, I would, judging from what you say, it would probably be between those two then. Yeah. Although Milo definitely deserves some kind of like recognition or I would agree. Mention. Yeah. He does play a quite a small role in that film though. That is the thing, yeah. And you know, it's nice to see uh Madeline Univols uh nominated for the credit. I remember coming out of that movie and being like, that might be my favorite performance out of the entire film. Is her performance. She was yeah, really she was, good. She was probably one of the better parts of the um the and, film's narrative and the yeah. acting and throughout it. And she's like she's like really young. It's like a yeah. Uh, she's like a child. Um, far more than the other ones who are kind of, you know, coming of age. She's properly a child. And she's pulling out those emotional things while um, John David Washington is like a, a wet carrot. <laughs> <laughs> the protagonist. Is the protagonist. <laughs> Best ne- describes him. He's never going to escape that name. I know. Right? <laughs> he's just the protagonist. Yeah, I'm waiting for the day where um, I see him act. <laughs> <laughs> The fact that, yeah, Madeline Univols was better than John David Washington, yeah, she might deserve the award for that yeah. alone. Yeah. Um, Ariana Greenblatt, Barbie? Such a small role, and she kind mm. of just plays a shithead teenager the whole time. Pretty much. Anyone yeah. can do that role. Yeah. And not Carla Lane for Wonka. She did a great role in Wonka. But um, again, I think her character is written very, like, kind of one dimensionally. She's just some, like, um, sappy orphan kid you're supposed to root for, root for and yeah. feel for and stuff and you know there's no there's no sort of conflict there mm. for, for you to really like feel anything else about yeah Wonka has a character problem it's not it's not her fault it's not mm. Carla's fault it's, yeah. it really comes down to the character writing yeah no it's very true alright move on to best supporting actress we got Emily Blunt Oppenheimer Danielle Brooks, The Color Purple, America Ferreira for Barbie, Jodie Foster for Inyad, Julian Moore for May December, and Devine Joy Randolph for The Holdovers. Obviously, I think Devine Joy Randolph is going to win this because she seems to be winning everything. Mm. It's good to see Danielle Brooks and The Color Purple get another nomination here. Julian Moore as well. I really love both of their performances. Emily Blunt just seems kind of like your slapstick um, Oscar nomination for this. I just, no chance of winning. No yeah. chance at knocking nomination, you know. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. That, that's kind of how I feel about that. Yeah, she's just there as a nod, and it's like, yeah, I liked the scene where you decided not to shake Ben Safety's hand. Yeah, or the, the moment where you, you know, drank martinis or something like that. What, which moment was that? The whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just does it so well. Um, America for for Barbie. I originally thought that she was going to get the nomination for Barbie, but losing a lot of steam gets the nomination here, which is big for her. Worthy of an Oscar nomination for that role? Not really, no. Even with the monologue scene? Well, the monologue, again, 
heavy emphasis on monologue. It's mm. the writing of that scene that really is the powerful part. It's the con the the, con the context of those words. So it's not uh, America putting it through. America does a good job delivering it, mm. but that does not make her performance of the character universally great. Yeah, I, I think. W w that monologue scene mm. is great because it's written very, very well. You're exactly correct. And I've seen a lot of people like voice support for uh, Ferreira's performance because of the monologue. And I'm like, a performance is more than a monologue. Like, you, you don't get nominated for a scene, you get nominated for the performance. Yes. And the fact that in that scene, the writing is what's carrying the scene. It's not America, even though she did a good job. She did. It. She did a really good job doing it, and she yeah. provides a lot of emotional heavy weight to that mm. to that scene. Yeah. But then again, you know, like there are plenty of scenes. Margot Robbie's providing emotional weight. Mm, you know, exactly. she and she is, and you can hear it in her voice. Her voice starts breaking up, just yeah. the same as America Ferreira. Mm. And just because your voice starts breaking up in a scene, it doesn't make it an Oscar worthy role. Yeah. Um. It was really just that one scene that defines her entire performance there exactly yeah yeah all right best supporting actor we got sterling k brown for american fiction robert de niro for killers of the flower moon robert downey jr for oppenheimer ryan gosling for barbie charles melton for may december mark ruffalo for poor things so almost the exact same yeah. uh, from the golden globes except we're swapping out Willem defoe for poor things for sterling k brown in american fiction yeah and honestly, you get rid of the Sterling K. Brown nomination. I think those are your five nominees for the Oscars. Robert De Niro, Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Gosling, Charles Melton, and Mark Ruffalo. And I honestly, the only um, real contenders are Charles Melton and Robert Downey Jr. with the potential. I think Ryan Gosling. Of, of Ryan Gosling. For Critics' Choice. Critics' Choice seem to love Barbie for some reason. Mm. Um, like massively. Because it got 80 nominations. The next movie, which I think was Poor Things and Oppenheimer, which got 13. Mm. So that's a big difference between uh, one and two. Brian Gosling, I think, will win this one. But yeah, Robert Downey Jr. or perhaps surprise Charles Melton might get in there. Yeah. Could be very interesting to, to keep a lookout for. Move on now to Best Actress. We got Lily Gladstone, Killers of the Flower Moon, Sandra Hula for Anatomy of a Fall, Greta Lee for Past Lives, Carrie Mulligan for Maestro, Margaret Robbie for Barbie, Emma Stone for Poor Things. Uh, why is Margaret Robbie in this? Because you said it yourself, the critics' choice love Barbie. We have Nellie Portman missing out here. Correct. Uh, yeah, that makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, Margaret Robbie does not have a dominant performance in Barbie that uh, supersede uh, these other ones. It certainly and doesn't supersede Natalie Portman. Exactly, um, which blows my mind. And the fact that one of these performances is going to be cut out for because Oscars only do five. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, that's, that's brutal because it's such a, such a deeply competitive year for Best Actress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on, honestly. And even Best Supporting mm -hmm. Actress, it's extremely competitive. It really, really is. Yeah. I honestly think, you know, Lily Gladstone, Sandra Huller, Carey Mulligan, Emma Stone, Nellie Portman, such good performances. Yeah. Anyone could win and I would be absolutely happy with them. Greta Lee and Margaret Robbie being here, they got to go out. You got to add, add Natalie Portman and leave the rest because it's so stacked. Yeah, it um, is. But yeah. Margaret Robbie might win that, but I think Lily Gladstone's got the best actress locked up unless something else continues to happen. 
All right, we're going to the second to last uh, category for this one. So we got Best Actor, and that's Bradley Cooper for Maestro, Leonardo DiCaprio for Killers of the Flower Moon, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. Um, Definitely nowhere near as competitive, I think, as Best Actress. Not at all, but those... Take out Jeffrey Wright, and I think those are your five. Yeah. nominations for the Oscars. I think that's pretty clear. But who wins between Cooper, DiCaprio, Giamatti, and Murphy? I have zero clue. I, I genuinely could not tell you. Yeah. Because in some way, they all sort of deserve to win, but also there there is none, none there where I, th- I think I could say that is an absolute lock. Mm. Like there's no questions. I don't think there's a performance in there that's good enough for me to, to, to like scream, scream my lungs out and say, no, 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 it should be them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I haven't seen Coleman Domingo yet or Jeffrey Wright, but from those four that I mentioned, you know, they all kind of do different things in their roles. Yeah. And it's, it's really going to depend on which way, you know, that branch of the academy kind of leans towards. I honestly have no clue. But at the same time, I'm also happy if any of them win yeah. because they're so great in their own way. Yeah, it, it's still a very competitive category. It's not as stacked as actress, but those top four, it's such they're such heavyweights in this um, in this category that either of them could clearly win unless we start seeing a front runner in these uh, in the winners of these uh, award precursors. Yeah, yeah. And best picture. Uh, so we got eight categories or eight, eight nominees. Is it eight? I think it is. I think it's 10. That's 10. Oh, it's 10. Yeah. So we got American Fiction, Barbie, The Color Purple, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and Saltburn. Well, that's a lot to remember off a list like that. Uh, Saltburn is very interesting. I guess it really needed it to stay quite competitive in these award ceremonies. Uh, again, I'll tell you for the second time in this party, watch Saltburn. I really want to know your opinion. It's really yeah. weird. I don't see it making much. Uh, I, don't even, I don't even know if it might get nominated for the Oscars because it's just so weird for the Academy to go that direction. Uh, but, you know. Have you, have you seen I Care A Lot? Hmm? I Care A Lot? No. It has Rosamund Pike in it. Hmm. I was thinking maybe it is sort of like at that similar vibe with um, Saltburn where it's this sort of like weird character. I really don't know how to describe it. If you had to give a comparison, I would just say it's like a teenage version of Parasite, perhaps. Okay. Yeah. But in kind of a, a weird fucked up kind of way. That sounds really interesting. And I want to see it. It is interesting. I just don't know if it'll work or click together for you. Okay. Because I'm, I'm still mixed on it. Um, but I did love some aspects. But yeah, from these Best Picture nominees here, what's missing is Anatomy of a Fall and The Zone of Interest, which got the Golden Globe nomination for... I don't think I saw either of those two, except for acting, in this uh, category. Especially Zone of Interest. I don't think it's been in here at all. In the Critics' Choice, which is odd because I look at Metacritic and I look at Rotten Tomatoes and it seems like critics really loved the uh, Zone of Interest and it's not in here, mm. which is, yeah, it's very surprising. Um, but 
you know, I think the ones that snuck in here, Color Purple and Saltburn. To think that, you know, Saltburn can, you know, overtake like the zone of interest and Iron Claw. Um, and Anatomy Fall. And Iron Claw. And Iron Claw. I fully forgot about that one, yeah. You know, it's quite surprising. Mm. You know, it's quite surprising. And, yeah, in Anatomy of Fall, as you said. Yeah. Surprising. That's all I can say. It's very surprising, but it honestly looks like we have at least 13 to 15 movies that are competitive uh, in the Oscars, which is just great to see. And it honestly makes everything a lot more fun for all of us, for people that love film, because, you know, it's so boring going to the Oscars and you're like, yep, that's one, that, 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 this movie's won that. And that one, you just and then, and then you watch the Oscars and they all they do, and, and then you maybe like, get oh. one wrong, and yeah. then it was like, okay, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's just, it's hopefully these award precursors don't have uh, just that one front runner for the entirety of all of them, yeah. And then we can just kind of go into the Oscars and be like, okay, I don't know who's going to win all these categories, but I'm I'm making. I these genuinely guesses. don't. Yeah. I, I genuinely couldn't tell you who's going to win best actor or who's going to win best director or who's going to win best picture. Let's hope it stays that way, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, that's our uh, coverage of the Critics' Choice Awards nominations and the Golden Globes nominations. Uh, turned out to be quite a long uh, MG special. Imagine if that was in a Let's Be Real episode. Uh, oh. That would be... T- yeah, we just have to do Golden hard. Globes and cut the rest. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Um, but, you yeah, know, we're going to be covering the uh, awards and the race to the Oscars quite closely. You can go on moviegames.com. We're going to have a precursor tracking list there. You're going to have to see all the winners from all the uh, little ceremonies, the big ceremonies and everything in between. So make sure you go check that out. Otherwise, find us on YouTube and Twitter. Subscribe, follow, message, do all that fun stuff as well. Also be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Otherwise, we're going to catch you on a Let's Be Real episode in the coming weekend. Not sure what day we're doing it. Uh, we're also going to be doing our most anticipated as well. We're going to have a nice little short list of our MG awards coming soon as well. So be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, we'll catch you on the next one. See you next time. Peace. Bye-bye.